Hello, and thank you so much for joining us here at Quarto Kids Cast. I'm your host, Mel Shewitt, and today I'm joined by guest Liz Lee Heineke. I wanted all kids to be able to look at that book and maybe see someone who reminded them a little bit of themselves so that they could see themselves um, performing these experiments. Liz is the author of Kitchen Science Lab for Kids, Kitchen Science Lab for Kids Edible Edition, Outdoor Science Lab for Kids, Steam Lab for Kids, and Little Learning Labs, Kitchen Science for Kids. We had Liz on the podcast last year to talk about the first book in her Kitchen Pantry Scientist series, Chemistry, and today she's here to talk about biology. Writing engaging science books for kids is hard, but Liz makes it look effortless as she captures experiments and biographies of 25 biologists past and present. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Liz Lee Heineke, author of Biology for Kids. Hi, I'm Liz Heineke, and I am the author of The Kitchen Pantry Scientist, Biology for Kids. Liz, I am so excited to talk to you today about all things kitchen pantry scientist related. You've got lots of science books with us, so we've got lots to talk about. I think we should start, though, with, for our listeners who don't know your work as well, who is Liz Heineke? Who who is the kitchen pantry scientist? Yeah, so I am a, (laughs) I am an ex-lab researcher. I I am a woman of many interests. I went to college um, and studied art. I I actually, my undergraduate degree is in art with a minor in biology. Um, I then went to work in research labs doing molecular biology for about 10 years. And while I was doing that, I got a master's degree in bacteriology from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. So, um, then I, um, after working in labs, I had three kids, ended up staying home with them and started writing about it, um, started a kitchen pantry scientist website. And, um, from there started writing, uh, sort of at home, how to, not just at home, you know, everywhere, how to do science with stuff that you have on hand, how to make science interesting for kids, how to let kids, get their hands into science, make a mess, make mistakes, but uh, learn to be creative in the process. So I I have, I guess I would call myself a science communicator um, and a science author, but I took a long crooked path to get there, but I love my job. That is so cool. I was definitely the kind of kid who just dreaded going to science class. But what I love about chemistry for kids and biology for kids is that they're not textbooks. They're very, they're engaging and they offer kids so many opportunities to actually perform the experiments that we see talked about in the books. Um, Can you speak to how you came up with the format of the series and how important it was to you that these be engaging experiments rather than just a wall of text that kids are reading about? Yeah. So back when my kids were young, um, most of the science books that I saw were sort of black and white textbooks, basically for kids. And that, you know, that is not what engages most, most kids, you know, all kids are different. Um, So I really wanted to make some books that, that felt for parents more like a cookbook because cookbooks are very approachable for most people. Um, So I wanted parents to be able to say, Oh, here's, here's a list of what I need here's a list of measuring, how I measure it. Um, it feels very comfortable. But then I really wanted to bring some color into the picture. So my photographer, Amber Procaccini, took the f- photographs for my books. We would 
basically just, you know, invite a bunch of kids over, my neighbor kids, my, my kids, friends, um, Amber is a photographer. So she had a bunch of kids that she knew kids would come over. We'd gather around a table or gather around in the backyard and do the science experiments that I was writing about and perform them and photograph them. And it was really great for me too, because I could see, you know, what steps kids had trouble with or might be challenging, or I, they would sometimes come up with different cool ideas and ways to do things. I could incorporate that into the book. So I really wanted to make a book that sort of was, it, it was alive, you know, it was colorful, it breathed, it was pictures of, you know, all kinds of kids doing science. I wanted all kids to be able to look at that book and maybe see someone who reminded them a little bit of themselves so that they could see themselves um, performing these experiments and not be intimidated. I, I really want my books to be sort of an on-ramp to science so that kids learn to do it and enjoy it, not be afraid to make mistakes. So then when they encounter it in school, they won't be intimidated and they won't think, oh, this is going to be boring. This is going to be dry. They'll remember the time that they you know, combined baking soda and vinegar and food coloring. And it was amazing. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm holding the book right now and it's, it's 128 pages. It's a mix of full page illustrations and photo illustrations. It's just so incredibly engaging. Did you come up with all of the activities yourself? Or I guess uh, the, the larger question is how do you like, how do you create a book like this? Do, like, do the activities come first or did the scientists come first? Well, so for this particular series, which I love, Kellyanne Dalton has done these incredible um, illustrations of the scientists. And for these books, I really started sort of first with the scientists. And I found a, I found a group of scientists past to present that I feel represented scientists well, but also um, represented what some important milestones in science. So I sort of chose the scientists and then I worked with Kellyanne on the illustrations. She, I, I send her, um, the, I write the biography of each scientist and then I send her their biographies, but I also send her a bunch of art. Like here's a picture of the experiments they did. And here's a picture of um, some equipment in their lab. And she incorporates all that into these cool illustrations. And then, um, I also, as I'm choosing these scientists, I make sure that they have some project that I can think of, or they have, their work is relatable to some project that I could write up for kids to do. So one of my favorite examples in, in the biology book is um, uh, Louis Pasteur, who probably a lot of people have heard of, a famous French scientist who was a microbiologist, but he was had this um, important piece of equipment called a swan-necked flask that basically allowed him to demonstrate that life doesn't arise from nothing. He basically used this piece of equipment to show that my, microbes were getting into liquid, I use apple juice in this experiment, from the air. So basically the flask is made so that it has a curved neck so that microbes can't get in unless you crack the neck off. So he showed this, he did this important experiment and I was able to actually like make a simple version of it. So this was a cool one. So I got two jars, um, filled them with uh, pasteurized, which is sterilized apple juice, and then put straws in them surrounded by aluminum foil. And one of the straws I left straight up so microbes from the air could fall right in. And the other one I bent down. So it's more like a swan neck flask. So microbes from the air can't get into the into the apple juice. And kids can see that the apple juice with the straw going straight up into the air gets cloudy. Like you get a bunch of microbes growing in there. 
while the other one stays clear. So they're basically replicating this super famous um, science experiment from the um, 1800s and they're doing it in their own kitchen. So that's that's the kind of thing that was I'm really loved about this book. So I chose the scientists. I found experiments related to their work that I could make easy for kids to sort of replicate today um, or at least do something related to their work. Like uh, there's a termite biologist in there and I have kids making termite melons out of coffee and cornstarch and glue. So that's the kind of thing that, um, that I was super excited to um, create for this book. Join Quarto Steam Club, an online steam community for kids, parents, educators, and steam lovers. Sign up for our bi-monthly Quarto Steam Club e-newsletter to receive book and toy recommendations chosen by a panel of steam experts, free steam activity downloads, access to a dedicated private Facebook group for members to share tips and tricks, and more. Visit QuartoNodes.com forward slash R forward slash Steam Club. That's QuartoNodes, Q-U-A-R-T-O-K-N-O-W-S dot com forward slash R forward slash Steam Club. And that's kind of another level or layer to the series is that Oftentimes you can find all of these things in your own kitchen. You are the kitchen pantry scientist. Yeah, I work very hard. And I, I like to have a variety of experiments. So some are simple enough, you know, for four, five, three, four, five-year-olds to do. Some are more complicated for older kids to do. Um, some concepts are simpler. Some are more complicated. But um, this, with the experiments, I try to make most of them um, uh, very approachable using things that most people have in their kitchen or their pantry and um, things that they can just throw together on their kitchen table. One of my favorite questions to ask people is this is this book has 25 scientists in it and they're all biologists. So how do you pare down all of the biologists in the world? How do you pick 25, especially given that there are people who passed away many, many years ago, people who are alive today who were you know, making all sorts of strides in the field of biology. How do you choose which scientists to feature? That's a great question. So uh, one thing that is really obvious when you look at the history of science um, you know, through the ages, with a few exceptions, um, you know, scientists for a long time were just basically wealthy white men. And that has changed a lot, thank goodness, through the years. And so I really try in all of my books to include a diverse group of scientists and an important group of scientists. So um, in this, in the biology book, for example, the first person is a woman. Her name is Maria Marion, and she is, was born in 1647. But she was the first person to really accurately illustrate the life cycles of insects. Um, but then which was a very important thing and like one of the only types of science that women were even allowed to do at that time. But then I included people like um, Charles Darwin who came up with the theory of evolution, John Snow, who um, was the first epidemiologist, the first sort of disease detective, Gregor Mendel who founded um, the science of genetics, Louis Pasteur, a famous microbiologist. So uh, a lot of very famous, important people but then as I get into the later 1800s, um, I, I try to include some, well, in the 1800s, I, I have a bunch of scientists from around the world. I have American scientists, but um, 
I have black scientists, I have um, indigenous scientists, I have a lot of women. I try to always have at least half women in my book, even though if you I look at that. science, <laughs> yeah, even though if you look at the field of science, you know, historically far fewer than half of um, the scientists have been women. And then um, the modern scientists are, are just, uh, I sort of choose people who I really admire um, and, and people who I know have been sort of overlooked if possible, but who have done, done really important, interesting things. And then um, the last two scientists, Danielle Lee and Raywin Grant, are examples of phenomenal modern biologists who are also phenomenal science communicators and role models, which is so important for science today. So I try to include a huge variety of scientists, once again, so that kids can look at these scientists and say, you know, that could be me someday. I want I want them to see the possibilities. So I just try to include a really diverse group of scientists, but also an important group of scientists who have made important discoveries. Yeah, and you've got the references in the back so that people can look up the experiments that are done and in theory learn about other people who have done similar things. Did anybody interesting end up on the cutting room floor? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'm sure they did, but honestly, I- Hard I to remember. remember. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and if you, it's interesting if if you do, you know, read about any of these scientists, it's always interesting to read about who their colleagues were. And for example, some of these scientists, um, let's, uh, Fanny Hess and her husband was, uh, she wasn't even like a certified biologist, but she is the person who came up with modern day um, culture medium, solid culture medium. So she figured out, she was a really good cook. She figured out how to add um, a gelatin-like substance called auger to plates to make them hard. But her husband um, was also a scientist. Um, I believe they worked with Robert Koch, who was also in the book. It's cool to see how a lot of these scientists are connected. Um, there's a scientist named Esther Letterberg, who I included um, partly because she made really important discoveries, but partly also because her husband was super famous and she was consistently overlooked due to sexism. So, um, you know, even in the 1950s and 60s. So there, I don't know, they're just a lot of cool scientists. And if you dig deeper and learn more about all, all of them, they all had colleagues who did interesting things. So it's always, it's always cool to dig deeper if there's one field you're interested in or one scientist you're really interested in. We've done chemistry and we've got biology. What is coming next in the series? Ooh, I'm working on physics right now, and it's so exciting. So exciting. <laughs> yeah, I'm a biologist, but I, lately, there are so many great physics books coming out. Um, in fact, uh, one of the scientists in my um, new physics book has, has a book coming out. So um, it's just amazing to me to be learning about, you know, the woman who discovered pulsars. And um, it's, I start off with, I start off with, you know, magnetism, electricity, gravity, a lot of those. But as you move into modern physics, you're, we're getting, you know, out into space and the universe and dark matter. And it's just, it's so interesting to read about the scientists, to learn about the science, but also to try to figure out, hey, what, you know, what's a good experiment that kids could do to sort of um, understand how, how um, pulsars were discovered or something like that. It's, I'm excited. My dad's a physicist, so. <laughs> I was going to say physics is probably 
the science class that I did the least well in because I I just could not wrap my mind around anything in the physics field. And here you are talking about trying to create experiments that can sort of like ground these concepts for children. I could have used this book so long ago. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fun. And, you know, honestly, I'm a biologist and I think physics well, growing up, I always thought physics was hard. And my dad would say, physics is easy. You just need to know a couple equations and everything springs from that. Um, and he thought biology was hard. So it's all about perspective. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to thank you again for stopping by to talk to me. I want to ask you one final question before I let you leave, though. What makes you love a book? Oh, that's easy, actually. I love a good story. And that's that's why I love writing the, you know, biographies of scientists and the science behind the fun. I, every chance I get, I love to read a good story. So every chance I get, I try to write a good story. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our chat with Liz Lee Heineke. Biology for Kids, as well as the first book in the Kitchen Pantry Scientist series, Chemistry for Kids, are available online and in bookstores and libraries worldwide. We'd love to see you subscribe to Cardo Kids Cast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can find all available episodes at anchor.fm slash Cast. And hey, if you're enjoying Cardo Kids Cast, we'd be grateful if you left a review so others can hear about it too. Special thanks to Scott Holmes for our theme music, Steve Roth for his promotional vocal stylings, Liz Lee Heineke for stopping by to talk to us, and of course, you, the listener. Special thanks to Scott Holmes for our theme music, Steve Roth for his promotional vocal stylings, Liz Lee Heineke for stopping by to talk to us, and of course, you, the listener, for tuning in. Until next time.